Please be seated. Uh, and a very warm welcome uh, once again to everybody here tonight. Uh, can I get you to keep your Bibles open there on page 1021? Uh, and if you don't mind, can you also put a bookmark on page 1173? So page 1021, we put a bookmark on page 1173. We want to go look at one verse in each of those pages. Uh, but if you have that ready, then easier, faster for us to do that. All right, so bookmark on 1173, but Bibles on page 1021. Also, when you came in, you got a uh, bulletin, a white bulletin like this, and in the middle pages, you'll see an outline of the sermon today. Uh, be helpful to have that uh, open as well, so you can see where we're going, uh, and, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, follow along or take notes or whatever uh, you like to do. Let me lead us in prayer as we begin. God, our Father, we thank you for bringing us to the end of uh, 2017. Uh, thank you for your hand of uh, love and guidance uh, over us over this past year. Uh, and Father, as we prepare to enter this new year now, we pray that you will speak to us uh, by your Spirit through your Word uh, as we look at it together. Uh, may you enable me to uh, preach your Word rightly uh, and in your Spirit's power, and we pray that your Spirit will open each one of our hearts uh, to Jesus that we might uh, appreciate him more, and that we might uh, love and serve him better. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, indeed, we have come to the end of uh, 2017, and what a year it's been, isn't it? Uh, the Americans got a new president, the Australians voted for a new definition of marriage, uh, the Brits got a new coalition, the North Koreans got to play with their new toys. And we've been shocked uh, and and, uh, and upset uh, by all kinds of things. There have been wars, there have been terror attacks in different parts of the world uh, that, uh, that, that have rocked us uh, over this year. At home, our economy has grown more strongly than expected, and we did pretty well in the sea games. Uh, but we've also seen terrible things happen at home. We've seen that hostile fire which killed 20, 23 people, uh, and we, there is no resolution in sight uh, to that abduction in broad daylight uh, of Pastor Raymond Coe. On a personal level, each one of us has experienced 2017 in a different way. I see a newly married couple here who got married just a few weeks ago. Now, that was 2017 for them, wasn't it? Uh, for some of us, it's been an exhilarating ride. Uh, for some of us, it's been a difficult struggle. Uh, for most of us, it's been somewhere in between or a mixture of the two. Uh, but now we are preparing ourselves for the year ahead. Now, I don't know what's going to happen this year. We don't even know for sure whether we'll still be here by the end of the year. But as we approach the year, we each have our own plans, our own priorities, our own goals. Whether we set them consciously or we just live them out without thinking. Let me encourage you to spend some time thinking explicitly about 2018. As you come to 2018, what is it that is going to drive you? What is it that's going to be your motivation, your, 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 your reason for getting up in the morning? What's going to be your overarching goal, the thing that all other goals and plans are, are just part of and secondary to? What, what will you live for in 2018? Well, tomorrow at our New Year's Day service, of which there is only one and it's at 8.30 a.m., we'll be thinking about this by looking at the future. But today, on New Year's Eve, I'd like, to, like us to think about this by looking at the past. And the particular thing we're looking back on is what happened eight days 
after the first Christmas. It's only there in one verse, but it's the theme of our service today, the circumcision and naming of Jesus. Have a look at verse 21 of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, the first thing we see here is that Jesus was circumcised. Right, Malay bersunat. Right. Now, you may ask, why was Jesus circumcised? Now, the superficial answer is because he was a Jew. Now, Jewish boys got circumcised on the eighth day, so Jesus got circumcised on the eighth day. It's simple. And, well, that's right. But there's more to it as well. You see, circumcision was part of the law that God gave to Moses. When God made a covenant with Abraham about 2,000 years before Christ, he commanded that Abraham and his descendants should be circumcised. And so under the law that God gave his people uh, through Moses 500 years later at Sinai, each male child to be born would be circumcised. It was compulsory for God's people. When Jesus was born, he was born under the law, as our epistle reading tonight says. He came to fulfill the law. And circumcision shows that. Now, as Christians, we are not under the law of Moses. Uh, we are still under the law of Christ. We still are to obey God's word. But that's not the same thing as being under the Mosaic law. And so Paul would later warn the Galatian Christians, if they allowed themselves to be circumcised, they would be obliged to keep the whole law. Because circumcision was meant to be the first step of a life of keeping that whole law. For you see, the law was an expression of God's will for his people Israel. They didn't obey the law. Over and over again, they sinned against God and showed that sin by breaking the law. But Jesus was going to keep the law perfectly from the heart. He was going to keep the law from the beginning. He would live a perfectly righteous life. And part of that is because, and part of that, because he was born under the law, is that he would do everything the law of Moses said a true Israelite should do. And the beginning of that was his circumcision. Jesus was circumcised in fulfillment of the law. Now, why is that important to us? It's important to us because the fact that Jesus would keep the whole law shows that he is perfectly good. Uh, one of the things the law does is exposes sin. Uh, to someone under the law, the, the law is like a mirror that shows their sinfulness. They say, I didn't keep, I didn't keep, I didn't keep. But Jesus would keep the law. From the heart, he would be perfectly righteous. And unless Jesus were perfectly righteous, we could not be saved. The fact that Jesus lived a perfect life meant that he could be the sacrifice to take away our sins. Right? One sinner cannot die for another sinner because they've got to die for their own sin. But the fact that Jesus is sinless meant that he could be the sacrifice for all of us. And he wasn't just sinless in a neutral kind of way, like he just didn't do anything bad. He was actively obedient. He did everything good that he was meant to do. He actively and actually fulfilled all the demands of the law. He obeyed the Father in every way. 
He did what all of us have failed to do, each one of us. He was not only sinless, he was truly, really, actually righteous. So not only did he take our sins, but he can also give us his righteousness. And when we are united to him by faith, when we are joined with him by the Spirit, God can look upon us on the judgment day and not only see that, that he has taken our sins and, and died for them on the cross, but he has shared his righteousness with us. Is credited to our account. And so the circumcision of Christ is that first step of a life of perfect obedience to the, to the law for us. Now, secondly, the circumcision of Christ as a baby also points forward to his ultimate circumcision. Come with me to Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. It's your, your bookmark is on that page. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. And Paul is writing there to the Colossians to, to tell them that if they have Christ, then actually they have everything they need. Because some people might have been telling them all kinds of things extra they need, and some people might have been telling them circumcision is one of those things, like the Jews of the Old Testament. And Paul saying, no, no, you don't need to get circumcised because actually you have already been circumcised. Uh, not literally, not with verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11, not with a circumcision made by hands. He says this, In him also you were circumcised, that is, in Christ, with a circumcision made without hands. It's not a physical circumcision. What is this circumcision? Well, it's the putting off the body of the flesh, or the circumcision of Christ. You see, Paul is saying that they have actively participated in the death of Christ. The death of Christ there is described as the, the putting off of the body of flesh or the circumcision of Christ. In other words, the death of Christ on the cross, that was his big C circumcision. Right? In his death, Jesus was circumcised in the ultimate way. It wasn't just a bit of his body that was put off, it was his whole body. And that was his ultimate act of obedience. And because the Colossian believers trusted in Christ, and we see that in verse 12 expressed in baptism, they too were participating in his death. And so you see, circumcision of Christ in a little way points to the death of Christ. A part of his body cut off anticipates the whole. A drop of his blood shed anticipates the rest. His obedience in the little thing points to his obedience in the big one. Where Jesus' circumcision is a sign, his death is the reality. And it's that death of Jesus that makes our covenant with God. We must trust in the death of Jesus. It is compulsory for God's people. Coming to the cross and trusting in the one who died for us there is our first step in a new life. Not of obeying the law of Moses, but of loving, loyal obedience to Christ. So what have we seen? The circumcision of Christ is the first step in the active obedience of Christ for our salvation, and it points forward to the death of Christ also for our salvation. And so Luke's emphasis in this verse actually is not so much on the circumcision of Christ itself, but on his naming, which is indeed linked to salvation. Look at verse 21 of Luke chapter 2 again. It says, at the end of eight days, 
when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Jesus. Now, the name Jesus uh, was not a unique name. Right? It's not like he's the only one to be called that name. Nobody else in the world. No, no actually, it's, it's not unique. It's, it's quite a common name. However, it was a specific name. That was the name he had to be called. Because God had determined that and communicated that beforehand. So even before he was conceived, back in chapter 1 of Luke, God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary to tell her what was going to happen. And he said to her, you shall call his name Jesus. And now he is called Jesus. But why Jesus? Well, Jesus, or the Hebrew word Yeshua, means Yahweh saved. Yahweh being the, the personal name for God. And in Luke's gospel to the point, to up to this point, we, we see hints of, of what this means. In Mary's song, which we sang just now, she rejoiced in God her Savior as the one who reverses situations in fulfillment of his promises. Zechariah had promised back in chapter 1 that John the Baptist would prepare the way for Jesus to give his people knowledge of salvation. How? In the forgiveness of their sins. And so the significance of the name Jesus here in Luke is consistent with what the angel had said to Joseph in Matthew's gospel. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, we know that in the Bible, sin is not treating God properly, isn't it? God loves us very much. He made us to love Him and enjoy Him, but we human beings, so terrible. What we've done is we've, we've liked all the good things that God gives us, but we don't want to treat Him the way He deserves. And imagine how awful it would be if, well, if I treated you like an animal. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? Because, because you're a human being. I need to treat you as a, as a fellow human being. And, and to treat God properly, well, that's not to treat him as another human being, it's to treat him as God. To treat each other properly as human beings, we need to love and respect each other. To treat God properly as God, we need to love him, obey him, and worship him as he deserves. And for the Jews who are under the law of Moses, the way to do that was expressed in the law. But even for us today, as we read the Bible and apply it, we can, we can see what God expects of us and we know that we all fall short. Every time I do something wrong, I'm disobeying God and I'm not treating Him properly. And you know, when I don't, when I don't treat you properly, God's not going to say to me, ah, yeah, now my line, it doesn't matter, right? Because, because you matter. You have dignity and worth as a human being. And, and when we don't treat God properly, he's not going to say, ah, oh, yeah, now mine doesn't matter. Because God matters. Sin must be punished. And God is so infinitely holy and majestic and good. He matters so much that we could never finish paying off the punishment for that. That's the big problem of sin. And yet God loves us so much. His heart goes out to us even when we haven't treated him properly. He wants to forgive us without saying that what we've done is okay. And so he sent his son, the Lord Jesus, that first Christmas to save his people from their sins. 
And we've already seen how he would do that. He would live that perfect life under the law, beginning with his circumcision. And then on the cross, he would bear the curse that ought to come from disobeying the law. And he would bear the curse on behalf of all who sinned. Whether it's the Jews who failed to keep the law of Moses, or the Gentiles who disobeyed what they knew of God. He would die on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins on our behalf. So that we can be right with God. Not, not by obeying the law of Moses, but by faith in Him. And so that we can receive the Holy Spirit who will enable us to obey Jesus as our risen King. The, the Spirit who will change us step by step to become more obedient to His will and more like Him in our characters. So then, friends, how should we respond to this as we prepare for 2018? Two things. First of all, we must be thankful. We must be thankful. We have seen the circumcision of Jesus was the start of a perfect life lived on our behalf. A life that was offered in sacrifice at the end of it so that we can be saved. If we belong to Jesus, then let us live 2018 as people who are always thankful for what he has done. May I suggest that in 2018, we each take a few moments each day to give thanks to God for what he has done for us in Jesus. If every day in 2018, I look at my own life and confess my sins, well, I will know that I am a sinner and cannot face a holy God on my own. But if every day in 2018, I also look at my Savior, I will know that he lived that perfect life that he died for me on the cross, that his righteousness is mine, and that I am completely accepted by God in him. And if I do that, then every day in 2018, I will be grateful. Friends, let us make sure that in 2018, we cultivate an attitude of thankfulness and praise. And we express that thankfulness in the way we live. Which brings us to the second point. We must be changed. We must be changed. Jesus didn't save us from the penalty of sin and give us his righteousness so that we can simply keep on sinning. He did it so that he could have a people who are holy and zealous for good works. He saved us from the law, not so that we can be lawless, but so that we can obey him from the heart in the way of the Spirit. We're not under the law of Moses. What marks us out as God's people is not circumcision. We are under the new covenant. And what marks us out as God's people is the Holy Spirit living in us. And the Spirit changes us. He wants us to live to please God from the heart. A Spirit gives us His Word, the Bible, and by powerfully applying that Word of God to our lives, He shows us how to live to please Him. And we who are God's people show that we are God's people by living our lives according to his word. And let me say, brothers and sisters, that transformation is an ongoing process. There is not one of us in this room who can say that, that we've made it. 
Each one of us needs to grow in holiness and godliness in 2018. And even though the Spirit leads us and changes us, it's not automatic. Sometimes it's hard. It's a fight. For different ones of us, it's going to be different. How about you spend some time? Ask God to show you. What does He want to change in your life in 2018? What does He want to change? For some people, it's going to be in the area of honesty and truth-telling. And that'll change the way they work. For some people, it's going to be in the area of caring for others and making time for them. And that's going to change the way they treat their spouse or their parents or their children. For some people, it's going to be in how they express compassion for the poor and the downtrodden. For some people, it's going to be how they control their temper or their tongues. For some people, it's how they control their sexual desires. For some, it's how they use the internet or their smartphones. For some, it's how they use their money or their time. But if you and I are going to live for Jesus in 2018, there will be things, big or small, that the Spirit wants to change about the way we live. There will be things. Are we open to that? Are we ready to change? Becoming more like Jesus, that is more important to God than success in any other area. And as we set our priorities, that is what ought to be the most important thing for us. So brothers and sisters, what will you live for in 2018? When you come to make your New Year's resolutions and plans and priorities, will you live for yourself and your own selfish gain? Will you live to please others and, and gain their applause? Will you live for sin, indulging in it as if, as if Christ didn't come? Or will you live for Jesus? If we live for Jesus, our greatest priorities in 2018 will be that we love and appreciate Jesus more, that we become more like Him in our character. And that's going to be different. How that is will be different for each of us. And that we better serve Him with what He has given us. Jesus was circumcised, lived, died, and rose again for you and for me. Let's live for him in 2018. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your son was indeed circumcised as the beginning of a life lived according to your law. Thank you that he was perfectly righteous and he offered that perfectly righteous life as a sacrifice for our sins. Thank you that through him indeed we know that Yahweh saves. 
Father, we pray in 2018 that we would see Jesus more clearly, that we would love him more dearly, that we would follow him more nearly. Father, we know that what that looks like is, is going to be different for each one of us. Please give us hearts that love Jesus and allow your spirit to change us, to show us where, where we're going wrong, where we need to repent. Father, work in us, we pray, and continue to transform us to the image of your Son. We ask this in his name. Amen.